Morning, church. <clears throat> Great to see you. We are going to be pierced by truth or barbecue skewered this morning. So uh, let's pray as we jump into it uh, today. Father, my simple prayer would be that what Jeremiah prayed, chapter 20, verse 9, uh, Jeremiah 20, verse 9, where he prayed, Lord, your word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And may that be so today. Come, Holy Spirit. Let my words not be remembered, but let your word the word of Jesus just be in all of our hearts like a fire. So strong and powerful, we can't hold it in as we go into next week. Come, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people, wherever they are, on their own, in their households, said together, Amen. Well, it's the 17th of January, it's 2021. And it's first things first. That's my title today, first things first. And over the next uh, few weeks, what we're going to be doing beginning today is exploring again the vision and call that God has put upon us as a church. Out of that, we've been re-examining the values, characteristics, kind of things that we behave and prioritize like as God's people as we pursue and respond to what he's called us to be and to do. And uh, the reason I've returned to these this morning is because I think, number one, God wants to remind us who he is and who we are and who we're called to be as his church. God is, God is reminding us who he is He's the God who sent his son, who strode in and released his own manifesto in Luke chapter 4, as Paddy just read to us, the manifesto which the prophet Isaiah saw in chapter 61, and he basically said, this is what I am about. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, and blind eyes get opened, broken hearts get bound up. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Everything comes alive when Jesus is around, and because you and I have been called to be in Christ, we are called to be a church, and as individuals living out our lives where everything comes alive through us, around us, in us, and we want to remind ourselves about that. Number two, I want to take us back to first things first, to remind us who God is and who we are, to scatter the confusion, I think the whole planet has lived under as we've been confronted with the experience and reality of COVID-19. I want to take us back to who we are as church and back to our call that Jesus has put upon us. Number three, why are we returning to this uh, first things first? To recognize that God has been growing us as church through lockdown. So whether we're old timers here at Chank or whether we're brand new into the community. As God has led you through 2020 to be part of the family here, you might be thinking to yourself, what is this church about? What is God doing? And you know, where are we, where are we moving forward? And what we hope 
uh, what I hope, beginning this morning and over the next few weeks, you will catch a bit about who we are and who God has called us to be this morning. Finally, why are we looking at this? We're also looking at this because it's so important as we're in lockdown three to allow the Lord to release vision in all of our hearts. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says this simple truth that without vision, people perish. You know, on an earthly level, we're all kind of pretty static and trying to respond so creatively and you have been incredible. But you know, when God speaks, when he breaks into our hearts and when he calls us, what it ignites is life. And when God places his vision inside of us, that's part of everything coming alive. And that's why uh, I, just, I just think, you know, God is, God is wanting to release vision in all of us. Even though we might not feel like we're able to do much in response, God wants us to know, hang on a minute, guys, this is who I am, this is what you're about, and he's getting us ready. And I'm going to say a bit more about that towards the end of this. Um, so for us as a church, we call the calling that God has placed upon us something called 2033. And about five years ago, we wrote down our calling as some future speak. We wrote it down as if it was history into the future. We were basically saying, this is what we believe God is doing and wants to do here where we live in West Sussex. And we wrote it down. It's called 2033. We put it in uh, visual form, and we're going to roll that video vision now. In the year 2033, a tipping point was reached in a small backwater cluster of villages in the county of Sussex. Over the past three decades, what can only be described as the presence of God had been growing steadily at a deep and permeative level throughout the communities. It wasn't simply the number and state of the churches which was remarkable, and remarkable they were. The small historic churches were packed inside and out, hosting continuous services throughout the weekend as person after person queued to worship. The historic churches had themselves birthed new church communities and converted barns, new builds and community spaces right across the area. Rivalry was consigned to being an historical anomaly as a rich oneness marked the entire church of Jesus Christ. Inside the churches, rich embraced poor, young honored old, each considered possessions for the benefit of all. Miracles great and small occurred daily as the word went forth and a beautiful serenity rested upon each gathering. No, the remarkable feature was to be found in the very atmosphere abroad in the land. Simply driving into the area, many accounts were told of long-term addictions being instantly broken. Many told of having to stop cars by the roadside as tears of healing joy streamed down faces of kneeling beside their running engines to find the Lord Jesus Christ, revealing his glorious love and freeing power. Countless sightings of angelic hosts were reported. Dreams and visions of God were seen by young and old, and it is said that the people felt a lightness here, as if they could reach out 
and touch heaven itself. This was awakening. This was revival. This was reformation, transformation. Whatever name you want to give it, all we can say is, God is there. And God had transformed the architectural landscape. What had been derelict barns 20 years before were converted into meeting places for hymn singing and unceasing prayer. Many had extended homes to house the forgotten and endangered of the invisible urban underclass. Rescued prostitutes were adopted into families. Long-term offenders learned skills, found security, and began new lives. Drug addicts broke free after prayer in heavenly language. The tormented in mind finally found peace in this haven. And haven is how the cities thought of this place. Valuing the partnership built and free flow of real help and open-armed embrace, Perhaps the cities valued mostly the divine resourcefulness that characterized the inhabitants of these villages. Seemingly touched by the finger of God, the social landscape became creatively fertile. Artistry flourished, craftsmanship thrived, music and poetry was written, dripping with the glory of heaven. Business was pioneered with holiness at its core. Schools now worshiped as they worked. And as each child worked, every fiber of their being was awoken. It seemed there was a healing home or retreat center at the bottom of every lane. Locked front doors were a thing of the past, as were neighborly feuds. Indeed, the weekend street parties were always wildly joyous, yet deeply reverent. Envoys, missionaries, and life igniters were sent from this place around the nation and beyond, proclaiming everywhere they went, he is the Lord, the giver of life. The heartbeat of this place is hard to describe. All one can do to understand what has happened is to stand back and conclude that Almighty God must have done this. In days gone by, the Chanctonbury area was well known as a place of pagan worship and witchcraft. Redemption has enveloped the past. Now we can surely say this is the dwelling place of God. This indeed is the gate of heaven. So Father, thank you. The truth is we've just seen. <laughs> Without vision, the people perish. But where there's godly vision, everything comes alive. And I pray, even as we linger in 2033 and who you've called us to be, that Holy Spirit, you would just speak to each one of us and unite us as church, shoulder to shoulder, responding to Jesus with what he's called us to be and to do and pursue in the years ahead. Amen. Some of us might have watched that and be thinking to ourselves, how did 2033 come about? Where's this come from? And when Louise and I arrived here in the autumn of 2013, uh, the first responsibility upon us uh, was to lock into what is God doing in this place? You know, and what is he wanting to release in the future? And as we began to pray and listen to people here, and most of all, listen to the Spirit of God, it's a bit like if you swam in the sea and suddenly you encounter the current behind a powerful wave, 
but you're, you're swimming kind of against it or trying to go in the other direction, and then it just carries you. It was a bit like that. We locked into just what we knew was just so many prayers of God's people over the, over the previous decades and years, so many prophetic words that had been released, and, and so much of God's presence just sitting and brooding in this place that it felt like we were just being carried by a divine current towards 2033. And then in early 2014, I took some time out. I went uh, and just sat with God. And I said, Lord, if the kingdom of God came, if Luke chapter 4 became reality here where we live, what would that look like? And I sat down in front of a computer, and in 10 minutes, I just wrote 2033. And that isn't normally me. Normally, I I take much longer to do things like that. But it was just like the Lord was just pouring forth through me onto my computer, and it just fell into place. And what happened next is, uh, basically, I, I, I knew how important it is Number one, if I'm not just getting lost in the clouds, if I really am locking into the current of what God is doing, how important it is to submit this to those in authority, both here locally and in our wider church authorities. So the first thing I did was I submitted it to the church wardens, the senior lay leaders amongst us. And I just said, guys, I think this is what God wants to do and what we are meant to be pursuing over the next years. And I sent this in, and we worked it through, we prayed about it, and to a person, we were united that this is what God was saying and what he was calling us to. We don't exist or live in isolation. We're within a wider family of churches called the diocese. And so uh, I sent it in next to the bishops, and to the archdeacons, and I said, before we get down the tracks, I just want to say, this is what we're dreaming. This is what we're thinking God is saying. This is what we're sensing. Please, could you weigh this and come back to us? And again, they came back to us just with absolute unanimity. We bless you to pursue this as Chanctonbury. We then, at that stage, were three parishes existing and operating structurally as three separate entities who shared my role as the rector. And so I took this to the Wisdom PCC, the Washington PCC, and the Ashington PCC, and brought this to them. And again, to a person and to a church council times three, we were united that this was God. And then finally, in 2015, we released this to the church and said, Guys, this is what we believe God is calling us to pursue. And so if you're jumping into the church family here, we've been through quite a process over the previous season of trying to articulate and recognize and unite around what God is saying because it shapes who we are and what we're called to. So if you've just come in here because someone's invited you or you're new into faith or you're just, uh, I don't know, just stumbled across us, you need to know that God is doing something here. We've discerned this, we've agreed this, and we've been pursuing this. 
And the last five years have been a wild ride of beginning to work this through and try to understand if God is saying this and he's calling us to pursue this, then that begins to change all of our lives. And we'll get into that in a minute. But one question you may have is, is this really Church of England? <laughs> well, that's a good question, um, but I just want to sort of say, you know, if any of us have that question, our Church of England authorities have blessed us to pursue this. And if they hadn't, then we wouldn't be pursuing this. But they have. And they're encouraging us and championing us, even as you heard Bishop Ruth a week ago doing that to us as a community. And if ever there was a time where the tectonic plates were shifting under the Church of England, as God is doing new things and old things are being challenged and you know, changed and transformed at an accelerated rate, it's now. And for us here in this church, the way that we hold together our historic inheritance of faith that has been handed down to us through the Church of England and the vision God has called us to pursue is like this. I think about it very simply. We are called here to define our inheritance of faith to the people we live amongst in this generation. And if ever there is hope for our nation, what would it look like if every single community in the land, the historic building that exists all over our nation, was full, full of churches which were manifesting the Luke 4 mission of Jesus, a bit like we've articulated that in 2033. We could change a nation, couldn't we? <laughs> so you might next be asking, well, is this happening? What's God been doing over the last five years? Well, he's been doing tons, but I'm not going to review or go over that for us this morning. What I want to turn to is really tokens and signs of 2033 that we've been seeing recently through 2020 within our COVID-19 shared experience. And we were revisiting 2033 at a staff meeting a week or so ago, and Andrew White, our head of operations, uh, put, it, put it very neatly, neatly like this. After we watched 2033, he said, do you know what, I'm so encouraged because it feels like a bunch of stuff that 2033 dreams about is already in process. It might be in seed form, but it's already happening. It's already beginning and is around us. We are seeing signs and wonders as Jesus declared at the beginning of his ministry, and we are believing for, we've been seeing those in increasing measure, even through lockdown. We've been seeing the favor of God opening the hearts of our wider communities to the ministry and mission of the church here like never before. You know, we have found ourselves able to work with, and in many ways to lead, some of the civic leaders within our local communities like never before. And then they're open and working fruitfully with us and inviting us to lead at this time. We've been seeing uh, opportunities to proclaim the gospel like never before. 
You know, we are taking Zoom assemblies in our local schools as a church, proclaiming Jesus to all these children growing up for the, you know, growing up, and we are being invited to tell them about him and to proclaim the good news. We're able to proclaim the good news indeed by delivering food and blessing to households throughout our local communities. I've been telling you and we've been seeing the openness in evangelism like never before. So you may hear a narrative that you know, things are really difficult, but we've, I would say we have been seeing acceleration and growth like never before during 2020. We declared that there would be a likeness here. This would be a place where the presence of God dwells and isn't quenched or grieved through sin or evil, but is welcomed and invited. And we see that happening. And one final token and sign is that COVID-19 isn't defeating you. <laughs> we are steadfast and we could sit around and catalogue our hardships and woes. But yet, you are God's testimony because you're standing firm. You're pursuing the Lord. You're standing with eyes of faith for him and hearts of worship for Jesus through this time. And I really believe that the perseverance and steadfastness that has been required through the last 10 months will manifest itself in massively strong faith muscles for all that lies ahead in the 2020s. This is on. But another question you might be saying is, how is COVID-19 affecting or in many ways reshaping our long-term vision as a church for 2033? Well, I think I've just been referring to it, but the first thing I would say is that I believe that what God is opening up is huge and new opportunities for us to influence and lead the very heart of our wider communities like never before. To serve, to transform people's lives, to transform society, to transform the heart of communities in a vacuum that COVID-19 has exposed. Let's be honest, government cannot pay all our way through what the 2020s will bring. And there is a huge opportunity for the church of Jesus, for us to say, do you know what? We will help, we will serve, and we will lead the rebuilding of society through 2021 and beyond a huge opportunity for us to launch, to dream, and to ignite kingdom-bringing, community-transforming entities that are going to bring real kingdom transformation to people's lives as society tries to rebuild itself. Let's be at the heart of that. Let's be driving that forward and leading the way. Secondly, I think COVID-19 will be resulting, as I've just referred to, and as we're seeing already, in a resensitizing to the gospel of Jesus Christ that God is 
allowing through this time. I've said many times before, I do not believe God is inflicting COVID-19 to get our attention, but he is allowing it. And one of the challenges for any who live in a highly technologized, materially comfortable, rationally intelligent Western society is how do you break through the idol of comfort and false security in material possessions and lifestyle comfort to tell them what they really do need to know is that all that will fade away and that will, that will slip through their fingers eventually at the end of their lives and what's left behind that. The gospel can sometimes feel way easier to proclaim in majority world countries or nations in Africa or Asia or parts of South America, as we found uh, Louise and I a year and a half ago in the Arctic. But I think God is through this resensitizing British people and those around us to the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's so funny because I think this resensitizing is happening at the same time as a rampant wokeness and almost um, aggressive political correctness that is happening online and through our media. We're going to have to be bold because there's almost like this, this domineering political correctness that uh, feels like one of the um, almost totalitarian aggressions of secularism. And, and, and it may require us to be bold and clear that not all paths lead to the same God, that Jesus is the only way. But I'm telling you what, what, what we are experiencing locally, what I am finding is that the simple good news of the uniqueness of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is landing like never before because he stands up to scrutiny. And people are hungry and desperate. And I think God is allowing this, and that's huge going forwards. It's, it's interesting in our passage this morning, Luke chapter 4, Jesus releases this compelling messianic manifesto referring to Isaiah 61. And then what do they do next? <laughs> they all rise up against him. They try and throw him. They take him to the edge of the town. They try and take him up to a cliff and kill him by throwing him off. But God protects him. And he moves through the crowd and moves on to the next thing. Do you know what? Proclaiming the gospel of Jesus will require us to be bold, whether it's corporately as church or whether it's individually in our lives. But God will protect us. He, he will protect us as we simply lay claim, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus is real. I believe he's true. And he loves you and he's for you. And, and you can be born again, and you need to be born again. And he can save you as you open your heart by faith to him. The third thing is that there's a sharpening coming for the church of Jesus. And the sharpening is the purge of worldliness that God is allowing through this time. He's exposing the stuff that we fill our lives with, which isn't him and the presence of God. And he's allowing that because he wants us to be fit for purpose and ready. The most disappointing thing for the world is to find a church that mirrors its culture. 
And though this time has been challenging, God is sharpening the church so that we might be godly, that we might be pure and holy and full of his love and not full of 21st century Western culture, unshackled by sin and the flesh. The fourth thing is that he's mobilizing us, each and every one of us, and I'll talk about that in a few moments, but he is mobilizing us to all play our part and to start dreaming again of how we're advancing the kingdom. And let's not be seduced into, um, you know, trying to have a big dream just because, you know, our culture around us so often tells us that we are the center of our worlds. There is a nobility in advancing the kingdom through opening a door at church, through sitting on a laptop and putting words on worship, through organizing the Zoom Connect for my KFC, through rallying and, and initiating the neighborhood WhatsApp to bring people together. It doesn't have to be this incredible, um, you know, uh, big vision for the sake of it. There's nobility and significance in serving, in doing the thing that's in front of us, in helping others, in serving well and powerfully and fruitfully. But it's an all play. And the fifth thing is that I believe he's encouraging us. Because you need to know that where you have had to build your spiritual lives on God like never before, that I believe is going to cash out when this thing finally releases a semblance of normality and the limitations slip away from everyday life. I, I, I believe that you will find your faith has been refined by fire and it is more precious than ever before. It is stronger than ever before. It is gleaming like gold like never before and God will have made us strong. So my final question is this, where could you and I, where could you fit into our long-term vision as a church? What is God saying? You know, in Kingdom Family Communities, in KFC, I'd love you over the next couple of weeks to just sit with this message today and start buzzing on this as a KFC and as individuals within that. Here are some questions to get going on. The first one, watching and connecting with 2033 again. What lights you up? When you see that, and the beauty of it is so comprehensive. When you lock into that, what lights you up? What ignites your heart? What would you say, I would love to see that in the 2020s. I would love to see that aspect become reality. Second question. As I watch that, what has God placed within me? What has God placed within you? What is he saying? When you watch that and you think, man, if we did this all together, it makes me think, yeah, I, I, God has placed this within me. And doing that and a whole company of others laying their lives down for this, man, God has placed this within me. I need to reconnect with that. I need to activate that again. I need to release that 
into the church here so that I can play my part. I can play my instrument within this wonderful orchestra God is assembling. Number three, how could I serve in this, great or small? How could I serve well and fruitfully? Let's all serve great and small. Let's all dream big, but let's also clean the toilets. Let's also make the coffee for one another. Let's also reach out on an individual level and send an encouragement and, or, a, or a prophetic word. Let's all reach out and thank those who are driving tech at this time or those who are helping with our children or our young people or those who are caring for our seniors, or those who are delivering food? How could all of us serve with significance, both great and small? And number, number four, let's ask the question in our KFCs, of our leaders, what do you see of me? Let's submit this to one another and to our leaders. You know, I, I have needed over the years, as I'm sure you have, the godly input of those around me and those above me to help me realize, okay, James, that's for 20 years' time, but that's for now. Or you're great at that, but that needs some development. So that we don't get lost in our own heads and allow what God is saying to get diluted or snatched away. A great question to say to KFC is, what do you see? You know, I'm sensing that I'd love to play my part in this way, but, but I submit this to you. What do you see? And a final fifth question is, where's the uh, unless God? Unless God. Let's allow him to release big vision that we're good at taking the next steps in and serving small in. But what about, the, what about you as a KFC? You start thinking, man, unless God, unless God comes through for us, this is never going to fly. 2033 is so impossible unless God. You know, let's live our lives. Don't you want to live lives like that as individuals and as church, whereby if God doesn't come through, it sinks? That we say, yes, Lord, and unless you, Lord, this whole thing is sunk. Because that's the faith bit that God loves. You know, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, without faith, we cannot please God. And the flip side of that is God loves faith. He loves it when we pray those bold prayers and live those bold lives that say, unless God. Let's do that together. So in conclusion, first things first, I hope that I've inspired you. Do you know, it's interesting. I, I sort of look at all the online messages and I observe what's going on in other churches, you know, up and down the country and um, friends of mine who are leading churches and some of, the, some of the flow under the guise of prophetic during 2020. And, I, and I, I think what's for sure is that the enemy of God has wanted to put his foot on the throat of the church and kill 
Because that's what he wants to do, which is to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm telling you what, church, let's reconnect with our call as church. Let's reconnect with who he is. Let's stand firm. We can't advance on a practical level in terms of what we're doing very far, but we can dream. We can let our hearts sing. We can use our technology, our walks, our smiles, our phone calls to advance in this time. And we can get ready for the rebuilding process, for the advancement of what God is doing here. And we can stand firm. So God bless you. And I will see you, um, see you soon. God bless you all. In Jesus' name, amen.